Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist. And this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Our mission at Nutritional Weight and Wellness and also at Dishing Up Nutrition is to bring you life-changing nutrition information that you can personally use and benefit from. We bring to you researched information, logical information, and life-changing information. And I am pleased that more and more people are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition and that more of you are applying the nutritional information that we share to change your own health. So let me wish you a very happy new year. You know, everyone is predicting 2013 is going to be better than 2012. It sure is. It always is, right? (laughs) I think so. I believe it can be. But if you got caught in that big old sugar trap this holiday season, about right now you're struggling to get rebalanced and feeling good again. So we want to help you shed some light on this very dark and rather miserable condition called feeling out of control with my eating and particularly with those carb cravings. And we're going to get you back into control. (laughs) So joining me, you heard her voice, is our co-host Katie Harla. And Katie is a registered and licensed dietitian and sees clients at our Wyzetta office and our Lakeville location. Plus, you have a lot of long-distance clients oh I've my. noticed lately. Yes, we, Skype. Skype. So anybody out there, we do have Skype. Good. And she teaches a lot of lunch and learn classes for, you know, many of the local businesses have us come in and teach classes. And she also teaches nutrition for weight loss and the weight and wellness series. And you're busy, busy, aren't you? Busy is fun. <laughs> but you're just never too busy to solve problems and figure out nutritional solutions because that's your main job all the yes, time. And that's, you know, that's the passion. So, Katie, here's a personal question for you. Have, you know, because you're a dietitian. Right. You know. Those dietitians. Have you ever struggled with sugar cravings ever in your life? Oh my gosh, have I ever? <laughs> so I think that's kind of a almost a notion for people. It's like, well, if you're a dietitian or you know a dietitian in training, you would never have struggled with sugar cravings. And oh my, in my past, um, I was actually a vegetarian before, and I thought I was doing myself good. I thought I was mm-hmm. being healthy, but during that time period of my life, I craved carbs. I craved sweets, pasta, bread popcorn, you name it. But guess what? My favorite was cereal finished with more cereal. <laughs> so once I started eating those processed carbohydrates, I could not stop. I'm, it's, I'm being completely serious. It's like, what I do you re- mean you couldn't stop? I couldn't stop. Like I would have bowl after bowl of cereal and then I would actually start to eat toast and then I'd go back for more cereal. Wow. And there was a few times I can remember and maybe people can relate where I would literally just throw away my cereal box because I felt so out of control. So frustrated, right? So frustrated. Like, what is going on? Why can't I stop eating the cereal? I was hungry all the time. You know, Katie, I bet some of the listeners are saying, oh... Another person just like myself? Yes. You're not alone. <laughs> I mean, we've, I've, I've definitely experienced that. You know, I wasn't hungry for what I should have been hungry for, though. I wasn't hungry for vegetables. I was hungry for crackers and chips and granola bars. Um, you know, and really, looking back, I didn't feel well. And my poor health really showed. I had a lot of acne that kept flaring up from all these carbohydrates that I was eating. And also, I was... I no- mean, I think that's a new... St- 
thought right there that acne flares up from too many from carbohydrates. Too many carbohydrates, right? Yes. So if you're somebody dealing with acne, that could be a correlation for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and another thing I noticed was I started to gain weight. And I <laughs> But you're not supposed to gain weight when you're a vegetarian. Right. You're not supposed to gain weight when you're vegetarian and I was eating very low fat too. So, right? Yes. You know, you're not supposed to gain weight if you're not eating fat either. So, but I especially started to notice I started to gain weight around my hips. Um Mm-hmm. You know, but since I switched my eating and now eating the weight and wellness way, those cravings are gone. Really? Really? The cravings are gone. And, you know, I always talk to my clients about this for uh-huh. the people that are having the cravings. I can I tell them about my past experience with cravings. And, you know, I let them know, like, you're having cravings. So, you know, if you start eating the way we're talking about. Like the weight and wellness the way. The weight and wellness way, meaning, you know, some good some good uh, proteins, some good vegetables and good fats. If we balance out your foods, mm-hmm. in a couple weeks, in a few weeks when you come back, and I put down a chocolate chip cookie here, you, it won't call your name. You won't have <laughs> cravings for it. They don't believe me. I bet they don't. They don't believe me. <laughs> they say you're crazy. You know, but when they come back and they say, my cravings are gone. And if they come back in two weeks, their yes. cravings are gone. It's, right? It can happen that fast. So let's kind of take a step back a minute and ponder some of the headlines in the last two weeks. And maybe a light bulb of understanding will go on for all the listeners that are struggling with some sugar cravings. So there was kind of an alarming headline in Sunday's Star Tribune titled, Type 2 Diabetes is Taking a Growing Toll on the Young. So more than 20,000 teens in the U.S. have type 2 diabetes. That's amazing, isn't it? That is so many. And if we think about it, actually about 20 years ago, almost no teenagers had type 2 diabetes. Well, they used to think that was an old people's it disease. It was an old person's disease. So why mm-hmm. would a young person have it? But we're starting to see it with the way we're eating. Um, so in that in that article, Dr. Claudia Fox um, was cited, and she's from the University of Minnesota Children's Hospital. And she said, you know, when your child has type 2 diabetes, it's like your child has the body of a 70-year-old man. It's, it, a, it's and, accelerated aging. You know, exactly. And I'd have to say... An unhealthy 70-year-old. Not a healthy healthy. (laughs) 70-year-old. Especially not a healthy 70-year-old that eats the wheat and wellness way. Right. So on Thursday, December 27, 2012, another story appeared in the Star Tribune. Type 2 diabetes linked to high fructose corn syrup. And researchers from the University of Southern California and the University of Oxford found an association between countries that have more high fructose corn syrup in their food supply than, and they also have a higher rate of diabetes. So if you have more high fructose corn syrup in your food supply, those are the countries that have a higher rate of type 2 diabetes. The diabetes in their, in mm-hmm. their country. So actually in that same study, Michael Gorin, he was the, the author, he said that this high fructose corn syrup you know, something we've been hearing a lot about these past uh, few years here, appears to pose a serious public health problem on a global scale. But really, here's the take-home message. The researchers found that of the 42 countries studied, the U.S., right here at home, we had the highest consumption of high-fructose corn syrup. Per person, we consume 55 pounds of high-fructose corn syrup per year. 55 pounds per year. 55 pounds per year. High fructose corn syrup circulating through our systems. It's not not a health food. 
So if we stack that up, it'd make a pretty high stack. It of, sure would. So where and how are we consuming 55 pounds of high fructose corn syrup? You know, another interesting article appeared in the Chicago Tribune. Soda falling flat. It was the title of it. As soda sizes continue to grow, so, you know, they used to be little... Little, yeah. Well, originally, like, six ounces. Remember that little Coke bottle <laughs> in the in the glass bottle? Yes, yes. And now, how big are they? Oh, my gosh. I think you can get, what, those big gulps? Yep. I don't even know how. 64 ounces? Six, yes. So, going from six to 64. But it's such a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, as the soda sizes continue to grow, so, too, is an army of critics... Pointing out high sugar drinks pose a potential health risk. And there's a doctor, Dr. Donald Hensrud from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, said soft drinks or sodas have a lot of calories but no nutritional value. Well, that's not a, that's kind of a I common. think we kind of understand that. <laughs> a lot of sugar and a lot of, you know, bad almost chemicals too, but it doesn't provide us with all that, those nutrients that our body is actually needing. So he also said... You know, it has no nutri- nutrition value, but only does bad stuff to your body. So, and then here's a quote from him. He says, there's no, not a positive thing to say about soda. And I think, you know, <laughs> listeners struggling with addictions to soda mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or that sugar, I think they know that. I think they, they do. They realize, you know, this Pepsi, this cola, it's not providing me with nutrition, but right. it's just kind of you know, providing me with too much sugar. So people are starting to kind of be aware of that, I think, more than they used to. At least adults are starting At to. At least adults, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so really, we ask who, you know, kind of get your brains thinking. Who Who is drinking Mountain Dew? Who's drinking Coke, Pepsi, Orange Crush, root beer? You guessed it. Who? Kids. <laughs> you know, if you guys said kids. Also, I mean, think about too is... The same thing is juices and Gatorades. These will have a lot of sugar or high fructose corn syrups in them as well. So the big question comes, so why do kids have such a craving for soda? Because they really do seem to have a craving for soda. Mm-hmm. You know, is it simply the result of how sugar or high fructose corn syrup stimulates the pleasure centers of the brain? And perhaps a pop drinker is dealing with an addiction. You know, we, I, we, we see that a lot of a times. Lot. You know, it, I have to have yeah. my two o'clock Coke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually people that drink those, they drink more than one a day. They usually drink two to three, sometimes up to six, some, some kind of pop. Mm-hmm. You know, usually it's Coke or Mountain Dew, one of those. So, you know, when you're an adult and you decide to stop drinking soda, you know, you're going to experience some withdrawal. We all know that. It's going to take a few days. So as an adult, you can say, okay, I'm within withdrawal, and it doesn't feel good. But as a child or a teen, they don't have that same level of reasoning that adult has. And the soda actually drives them to want another high-sugar food. And guess what? They often combine it with chips. It's that, that salty, sweet Salty, sweet, but it's again, it's the sugar. It's right. still breaking down to sugar at a biochemical level. So, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is happening to me all the time, well, we're going to have some solutions coming up pretty soon. So, I think it's a really good time to take a break. So, okay. you are listening to Dishing Up Nutri- Nutrition. For some women, the term menopause brings on feelings of fear. 
dread, uncertainty, confusion, and sometimes even hot flashes and sleepless nights. Thankfully today, there are real, safe, and simple solutions for those menopausal problems. This is one time when knowledge truly is power. So we want to prepare you with the knowledge to handle the menopause problems before they become a problem. So join us for a three-hour hot flash solutions for perimenopause and menopause seminar January 9th in Maple Grove or January 12th in Wyzetta. Call 651-699-3438 or sign up online at weightandwellness.com. It's the time of year when everyone wants to diet. The trick is choosing the right one. Now, there are those plans that say, eat whatever you want. Well, that's kind of what got you here in the first place, right? How about getting to the bottom of why you want what you want? Because there was a time when people didn't want that stuff. Mac and cheese, bagels, cookies, chips. Yeah, mostly because they didn't exist. But obesity didn't really either. The challenge these days is to either avoid those foods, which can be torture, or stop craving them, which might sound kooky, but is entirely possible, and your best chance for success. The folks at Nutritional Weight and Wellness can help you make it happen without pills, points, or packages. Just real food. It's sciency, not sexy, but you can be. To sign up for Nutrition for Weight Loss, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if you have a question about cravings, give us a call today. It's 651-641-1071. When you have a carb or a sugar craving, most of us know it is a food problem. You know, certainly supplements assist, but it may in making the the it's really the correct making the correct food choices that puts down the sugar dragon. So my recommendation for you is to sign up for our nutrition for weight loss program. You know, if you attend every class, meet with a nutritionist for your individual plan and follow the nutrition for weight loss eating plan. I can guarantee, that's what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I can guarantee that you will feel better and most people lose inches and pounds. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to get your metabolism going a little bit, but in 12 weeks, most people lose inches and pounds and we can guarantee that you're going to feel better. We can help you with your cravings and we can get them under control and the classes start the week of January 14th. So if you want locations and details, call 651-699-3438 or go online to weightandwellness.com and all the classes are listed. So, and it's it's January, right? Mm-hmm. It's January, what, 5th today? Mm-hmm. So this is kind of when people's brains start to tune into lifestyle change. Yes. So, you know, if you've tried, you know, like, the pills or the supplements or, you know, all of that in the past to lose weight, why don't you try the real food approach? I mean, that's the lasting approach is when you start to nourish your body. Um, and it worked for you because you got rid of all your cravings. Oh, my gosh. And you were, got rid of your acne. Got rid of my acne and I, I lost weight too. Okay. So, hey, <laughs> there's a testament right there. So we really do see changes in our in our classmates. That's right. And you know, the interesting thing is we, before all the breaks and things, we were talking about 
how high fructose corn syrup affects your cravings mm-hmm. and how it has increased the rate of type type it seems as though it has increased the rate of type two diabetes in teens. There's something that's going something on. Something that is triggering. You know, they're not pointing their finger directly at mm-hmm. that, but we know that things are not working right. So so to kind of follow up on that line of thinking, there was a small study reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And this is what the study found. Scientists, when they are using an MRI imaging of the brain, they found that when people ate fructose, the fructose actually caused changes in the brain, which can lead to overeating. You know, if I said that really simple, Mm -hmm. if you drank a Coke, which is high fructose corn syrup, it's or Mountain Dew or any any beverage or any food, Mm -hmm. we're not just... Zeroing in on, no, not, but any food that contains high fructose corn syrup, it changes the way the brain works and it can lead to overeating and they can actually see that on an MRI. So basically what these scientists found is when we eat fructose, you know, such as high fructose corn syrup, I keep repeating that, or even fructose is in table sugar, half of it is... Is fructose. Yes, our reward center in our brain doesn't recognize that fructose as a food. And our, br- our brain actually says, feed me more, feed me more, feed me more, because it never gets satisfied. And isn't that interesting? It's like it's us, again, against kind of our biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'd say, oh, well, we've had, I've had a Coke, so I've had calories, but I don't feel full. Versus when we would eat a piece of meat, you know, or a couple of eggs and some vegetables, and some butter, our body would recognize that we've eaten, and our brain would recognize it. That yes, exactly. And it that says, we have oh, had. I'm feeling satisfied. Yes, yes. So it isn't rocket science, this eating, but it is a habit. It is a habit, <laughs> and that's. It's always nice to have the research to kind of let us know what's going on in our body too. Yes. So we really can see why soda or all those foods containing high fructose corn syrup drives your brain and you to eat more. You know, if you check the labels of many of the processed foods, just kind of pull things out of your cupboard right now and look at that because you're going to see corn syrup or sugar is often the first or second ingredient in most of the, many, many box foods. It's in everything. It's in bread. It's Mm -hmm. in soups. It's in, I mean, Gatorades and sodas like we've talked about, but it's, I mean, it's in, um, those little packaged seasoned mixes mm-hmm. that you would mm-hmm. put, oh, I'm going to make chili, so I'm going to open up this package and pour it in my, my chili. It's in things like that. It's everywhere. It's not necessarily hiding in something sweet, right? like a Coke. Well, certainly in, high, uh, in a shake and bake. Oh, yes. You know, sometimes you think back at old, some of these old products and you wonder, do people still use them? And then you... You suddenly realize, oh, yeah, they're still using oh. some of these, what I call the 1950s food. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you're, if you're out of control, eating is really, it is not. You know, if you're saying to yourself, I'm just, oh, so out of control with my eating. It isn't a lack of willpower. It is the trick that this fructose is playing on your brain. Now, do you suppose that... Some of these food companies have figured that out, that fructose has that, that play on the brain, possibly, and they've added it. Possibly. Possibly. Yes. 
So you have taken in the calories and your fat cells expand. But what really happens is your brain cells are not getting the message that you have consumed lots and lots of calories. And so it just keeps saying, feed me feed some me, more. Feed me, feed me, feed me. So it's really simple chemistry. It really is. If and once, it's been based on science. Mm-hmm. And, and once it, we understand why it's having that effect on us, mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of bring this full circle. Let's kind of think about, I don't know, our first days of life. Mm-hmm. Perhaps there's a little bit more to this story. So did you know that the New Health Canada guidelines advise meat as baby's first food? Meat as baby's first food. Right. Meat <laughs> in Canada. They're saying first time your baby eats, it should be something like a meat product. Not not what? Not iron fortified rice cereal. So now when I was going to school, that's mm-hmm. what we, that's what we learned was of course. give the baby iron fortified ri- rice cereal. And that's probably still being taught still in many is. of the nutrition schools. Yes. Yes, I'm sure it's still being taught. So Health Canada along with Canadian Pediatric Society, Dietitians of Canada and Breastfeeding Committee Committee for Canada recently issued new guidelines for transitioning a baby to solid food. And two of the first solid foods they recommended were meat and eggs, not rice cereal. So, Katie, just tell people again, what were the groups that got together in Canada to decide that? Because it's just not like one or two people, no, right? it's not like one person said, all right, we're going to be doing meat and eggs. So it's, it was a whole conglomeration of people. It was the Pediatric Society. It was the Dietitians of Canada. Wonderful. Breastfeeding Committee <laughs> for Canada. You know, it's all of these people were getting together to say, hey, you know, is rice cereal, is this really the best thing to be giving our babies right away? And if not... You know, they're finding that, again, meat and eggs. So, you know, really, this committee of experts said rice cereal is never a healthy first food for babies. And this is what they said. Now, rice cereal is an extremely high glycemic, which means it's a high sugar food. It hits the blood sugar pretty quick. And it pops the blood sugar up. Yep. When eaten alone, it spikes the blood sugar. So if you're just feeding that baby... Rice cereal, cereal. up goes the blood sugar. And I thought a question that we all should be asking, could we be making our children and ourselves pre-diabetic with the cereal, these babies? And maybe that's a new thought for people, you Mm -hmm. know? Maybe people who have been taking our our series and listening to us on the radio realize that we need to balance our foods to balance our blood sugar. But if you just give a baby rice cereal, that's not balanced. So this pre-diabetic condition could be, and I believe is, what sets both children and adults up to crave sugar and processed carbs leading to obesity and diabetes. So it starts, it could start. So you know what it really says to me is people can stop blaming themselves Mm -hmm. for their sugar cravings. Now, it seems like then they have to say, okay, I get it. I have to change how what I'm putting in my mouth so I can change how my cells are reacting. And then I'm going to have control. Right. And that's what we teach. And that's exactly what we teach. And that's we see that reverse in people. So, you know, probably for the past 10 years, all the nutritionists and dietitians at Nutritional Weight and Wellness have been recommending eggs and avocado and meat as baby's first solid food. 
that's kind of, I mean, we that's were. That's what we've been talking I about. Mean, because, again, we've been reading this research. So, Katie, do we have time to take a caller before? I think we could take one caller. All right. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Kim, you have a question for us? Hi, yes. Um, It's off topic what you were talking about, which is fascinating, but um, I've been wanting to call you with this question for such a long time. I am having such horrible skin issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had eczema pretty much my whole life. And just this year, um, now that kind of the weather is turning cold, it has gotten so much worse. I mean, all over my body, patches are popping up. But not only that, um, what's been happening since November, since the weather has gotten, you know, colder, chillier, is about 30 minutes into exercise. And I play tennis about four times a week, so I'm, I'm pretty active um, exercising. But about 30 minutes and after into exercise, my whole body breaks out in hives. Okay. Every time. Sure. And it's sure. driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Katie, do you want to kind of hit some of this and then I'll I'll come in on some of it too? <laughs> sure. So, you know, eczema, it's kind of like an autoimmune of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So we always think, whenever I think skin, yeah. I think one of the first things I think is dairy. So have you eliminated dairy from your diet? I have not. That, I have not eliminated anything yet. Okay. Okay. So dairy and gluten are the very most inflammatory foods that we look okay. at. Um, and eczema... It seems to be one of the ones that really kind of, or um, pardon me, dairy is the one that really kind of causes and flares up that inflammation in the skin. Okay. Um, another thing that we would look at supplement-wise is there's there's a, a fatty acid called GLA. It's a good form of an omega-6 that helps okay. to kind of pull water, essentially, and hydrate your tissues. So, okay. I don't know, I would take, you know, 600 to 800 milligrams of GLA throughout the day. Okay. And also, uh, as an anti-inflammatory, fish oil. Fish oil, uh, yes. Omega-3. Fish oil. Okay. But I think, yep. you know, it might make sense for you to come in because what's happening, it seems as though your your autoimmune situation is increasing. You know, okay. at first it was a little mm-hmm. eczema, but now it's going into creating hives. And so that's another autoimmune reaction that's occurring in your body. And we, we've seen this many times. And oh. You know, it's like you really have to kind of look at the food sensitivities that you have and to and to, to eliminate those things and to okay. kind of get rebalanced because, yeah. you know, another one is going to start occurring probably for you. Yeah. And, okay. uh, you know, and yeah. so, but for sure, I mean, a couple of things like what Katie said is certainly, you know, eliminate the dairy products and eliminate the uh, the gluten out of your diet. Okay. And that that's the first step. Now, do you need to, I mean, do I need to eliminate dairy completely 100%? I like a little milk in my coffee. Is, well, you is, you know, if it's the higher fat, uh, like butter or heavy cream, mm-hmm. usually has no protein mm-hmm. in it. And so most people can tolerate butter and heavy cream without okay. any reaction. Yeah, the proteins okay. are what cause but that But if you put skim milk in, that's got the protein. And so you don't want to do that. Okay, so protein, that protein in a dairy product is kind of the the killer. Yeah, yes. it is. Okay. It's the inflammatory part. Oh, okay. And I have asthma, too. Is this all oh, yeah. linked into? You need to come in and see one of us. Okay. <laughs> that would be best to keep ta- to tackle all of this together. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I will definitely make an appointment. Well, thank you so much. I knew there was 
some nutrition aspect to all of this, but yep. it's very confusing to someone who's never oh, yes. kind of tackled it. Yes. Okay, so. well, but thanks for the call. It was great. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much. Yep. Yep. Take care. All right. Bye. Time flies, right? Yep. Time right. for another break. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition today. Saturday, January 5th, Dar and I would love to invite you to come meet us at our open house at the Maple Grove office. We have free classes starting at 10 a.m., and we will also be giving you a nice shopping bag with pictures of the fruits and veggies you should buy organic. And they're so cute. And they're so nice, and they're so easy (laughs) to keep in your billfold. And, you know, ones that are okay to buy conventional, just, you know, to save some money, too. So also, um, Greg Peterson, he's kind of the supplement guy. He'll be there to answer your questions along with Dar to be answering your questions. Yep. So there, and Katie will be teaching. Yes, the noon class. I'm so excited. Yes. What a fun day. And Nell will there be there yes. to share her our 90 pound success. Yes. Everything's the, going on today. And there will also be 10% discount on all supplements. Fun for everyone. So please come and meet us. We, we would love to see you. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, most people who have eaten the standard American diet have many nutritional deficiencies and they have carbohydrate cravings. I find often that they are deficient in the amino acid that is called glutamine and the mineral magnesium. They're deficient in omega-3 fatty acids and often they are deficient in vitamin D3. So let's just talk about one of those, and let's talk about a glutamine deficiency. And it's associated with many symptoms, including low blood sugar that we've been Mm -hmm. talking a little bit. It's associated with sleep problems, anxiety, and sugar cravings. It's one of our magic formulas to help people with sugar cravings. So glutamine is normally released from muscle tissue to help support stable blood sugar. And when you're deficient in glutamine, you often have blood sugar problems, which can lead to sugar cravings. Yes. And I find taking either a half a teaspoon or two capsules of glutamine before each meal reduces sugar cravings and also anxiety. Mm-hmm. And glutamine is also the building blocks of a neurotransmitter that is called GABA. And GABA is really the brain's natural Valium. It's very relaxing, mm-hmm. very yeah, anti-anxiety. Yes. So sufficient production of GABA helps to relieve anxiety and stress. Typically, when people have less anxiety and stress, they have sure, fewer sugar cravings. Since there are many causes for cravings, most clients find that they are much more successful Actually, when they work with a nutritionist who can kind of design an eating plan and a supplement mm-hmm. program to meet their individual needs of that client. Because everybody is so different. Everybody, everybody is. Everybody is so different. So we could kind of kind of tailor your eating plan to your specific biochemistry and look at supplements that would help your specific biochemistry. And glutamine is a very powerful one. It is. So, Dar, we have another caller. Okay. Um, Welcome, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Eileen, you have a question for us. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Yes. The question is, uh, having a uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver, can you uh, safely use all that uh, coconut oil that you guys are talking about? Yes, you can. You sure can. It's perfect. It's a great, it's a great addition. And so it's a matter that you really have to keep your carbohydrates down. And your sugars, down. yes. Your your carbohydrates should actually be just vegetables and maybe a little bit of fruit, but a fruit, like a half of, 
half a cup or a half an apple or something at a time and not not like orange juice or anything like that. And this ties pretty well into kind of what we're talking about with the fructose. So Mm -hmm. fructose really is one of the the kind of sugars that they're finding that creates the fatty liver disease. So really being careful of, you know, the the sugar or the the sodas and the juices. um, And yeah, I guess a lot of fruits, too. So and then if you so if you take coconut oil and saute your vegetables in coconut oil, wonderful. It's it's, it works great for mm-hmm. fatty liver. Okay, thank you. And I found uh, high fructose corn syrup in uh, uh, tomato soup. Camel's tomato yes, soup. Yes, I just about died. I exactly see places you would not think that it would be. You know, it's so interesting. I taught a seminar out at Mystic Lake, I think probably 12 or 15 years ago. (laughs) And one of the things that I held up to show people was that tomato soup is having a lot of sugar in it. And people were just amazed. So we've been talking this message for a long time. Long time. <laughs> but that's great. It's it you know, thanks for bringing that up because mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that that the soup that they're eating at lunchtime has a lot of sugar in it. But it's great. Yeah. I'm glad she called in. Yeah, and that's a good a good question too is, you know, when you when you hear the <clears throat> diagnosis of fatty liver disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, people would automatically assume, okay, watch the fat, right? Yes. But it's right. actually watching a lot of the sugars that tax the liver. Yes. So let's just kind of finish up on that conversation yeah. about the fact that the Canadian pediatricians and all those people decided that the first food should, for babies, first meat. real solid food should be meat. Meat and eggs. And not rice cereal. Because here's another thing, and I don't think people realize this, but the babies actually lack the digestive enzyme to digest grains. And you know... Rice is a grain. Rice is a grain. So, and they're saying that they should not be given <laughs> grains, even rice, until the baby is at least a year old. Yeah. So, I mean, if we've we've been giving our babies, I mean, starting usually around six months, this rice cereal that they can't digest. So they're getting these indigestible foods in place of foods that they really can actually break down and use for growth and development. And so what happens is when they eat the rice cereal, up goes their blood sugar mm-hmm. And they start that insulin resistance yes. uh, path. And that's what we're really trying to kind of hit home, yes. is that's the first way to start those sugar cravings or insulin resistance is doing rice cereal right away. So all of this talk with high fructose corn syrup, you might be asking, all right, you know, where where is this high fructose corn syrup hiding? Again, um, type 2 diabetes and cereal have a lot to do with your sugar and carb cravings. It's from the sodas. It's from the, the as the caller just called in, it's in tomato soups. So, you know, here's why that, that corn syrup can relate to your, carb, your carb cravings. When you consume a little extra sugar or processed carbs for an extended period of time, your cell receptors for glucose or sugar uh, and insulin become coated you know, when they become coated, it doesn't allow that glucose to easily pass into the cells for energy. So, you know, the thing that came to mind when you just said that, Katie, is, you know, if you eat out, they always set that bread basket in front of you. Being so kind of them. (laughs) And so if you have one slice and then pretty soon you put a little, and then you go back and you have another one and another one, that's what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. We're talking about a little extra glucose or sugar Mm -hmm. 
over an extended period of time. So you just think, if you eat out maybe four times a week or something like that. And you enjoy that bread basket. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that Yeah, so it's not a one-time occurrence. It's when it's happening. Yes. Small doses over an extended period of time. That's what helps or that's what creates that starting that resistance in your body. So sometimes we call this insulin resistance or it's also a pre-diabetic condition. So when that happens, some experts believe that this is starting to occur in about 80% of the population. When this happens, when you start to create this insulin resistance, we crave more sugar to satisfy our cells. So let's see. I'm just kind of looking at the clock. I guess we don't really have time to take a caller, but should we just take a quick break? Or I think let's take a break right now, okay. and then we'll come back and take some callers. So okay. you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. When I decided to give up sugar and processed carbs that turned into sugar, I thought of all of my reasons to just say no to sugar. Sugar made me have acne. Sugar made me gain weight. And sugar made my body feel achy and just tired. I was just tired all of the time. Sometimes, you know, another thing that happens is sugar leads to the formation of cataracts. So really what's happening in the body is that glucose or that sugar, it attaches to the protein in the lenses, the lens of the eye. So it change, changes the lens from crystal clear to cloudy. A lot of sugar and a lot of cloudy lenses, or that leads to a cataract. So now when people tell you, you know, they had a cataract surgery, you might guess that they just love their sugar because mm-hmm. that is happening in their body. Eye-opening information. Eye-opening information. (laughs) We'll be right back. It's the time of year when half the people you know are sipping so-called shakes or eating locale meal replacements. Diet gimmicks may get short-term results, but to truly change your health and change your body, you have to change your nutrition. And to do that, you need nutritional weight and wellness. For more than 25 years, their licensed nutritionists, registered dietitians, and nutrition educators have offered classes, consultations, and counseling. Nutritional weight and wellness started in the Twin Cities and is only in Minnesota. It's not a national chain that drops franchises and salespeople into town only to vanish a few years later. Nutritional Weight and Wellness will give you the know-how and motivation to make changes that will make a difference for the rest of your life. Sign up for a class or come in for a one-on-one consultation. Nutritional Weight and Wellness has offices in St. Paul, Wyzetta, North Oaks, and Lakeville and offers classes at many other Twin Cities locations. Call 651-699-3438. That's 651-699-3438. Or go to weightandwellness.com. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you've decided 2013 is going to be a better health year, then I encourage you to sign up for Nutrition for Weight Loss. You know, 95% of our clients who took either Nutrition for Weight Loss or Weight and Wellness saw improvement in their health. That's a huge percentage. 95%. And we've been keeping these stats for years now. 95% of the people... You can also see and feel improvement in your health. For some people, your health needs to improve before you can actually lose weight. I think now you have to come and listen to Nell's story because her metabolism did not kick in right away, but she ended up losing 90 pounds mm-hmm. and keeping it off. Yeah, and she was, you know, the motivation for her was she was feeling better. I'm going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I feel better. And then really that weight loss really did kick in. So we have classes in St. Paul, North Oaks, Maple Grove, Lakeville. Are you teaching Lakeville? 
Or where are you I teaching? I am in, I'm going to be in Maple Grove. In Maple Grove, For Nutrition okay. for Weight Loss. We actually have a class in Minneapolis in the uptown area. We have a class, several classes in YZ, Woodbury. So we're offering both daytime classes and evening classes. So lose 10% of your body weight and reduce your health risk. And don't worry about losing weight, maybe. That's not what you really want to do. Just learn how to eat good for good health. You know, we always say change your nutrition to change your life. And that's so true. Yeah. I mean, how we've seen that time and time again. Um, so we had a question. We Somebody wanted us to repeat the top four um, pieces that people are deficient in. And it's actually, get your pens ready. Um, most people are deficient in an amino acid called glutamine. Mm-hmm. Most people are deficient in a very important mineral, the mineral of relaxation, uh, magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids, and vitamin uh, D3. Yes, very much so. So we have a caller. Uh, okay. We'll take. A few callers, a few I caller. think. Yep. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Liz, you have a question for us. I would like to know about this glutamine. Is that the L-glutamine? It is L-glutamine. L-glutamine. And uh, what, what's the dosage and how often should you take that and when should you take it? Okay. Usually if you do uh, a capsule, they're either 500 or 700 milligrams. And I usually recommend two before every meal, maybe 10 to 15 minutes before every meal. And it helps the intestinal tract. It works better in the intestinal tract if it's taken on an empty stomach. Usually about 1,500 milligrams is kind of what we're shooting for before meals. Mm -hmm. 1,500 milligrams. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. I love your program, and I wish I could get over there today, but I'm an elderly lady, and I can't get any place anymore. (laughs) Well, just get your driver to bring bring you over. There you go. (laughs) I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. All right. We have another question. Yes, okay. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, Mary. You have a question for us. Hi. Yeah, I have a question. People that are allergic to dairy, period, where they can't have butter in that, um, you suggest, what would you suggest? For fats or... Yeah. What? Okay, I probably would go with coconut oil uh-huh. and coconut milk. Coconut milk. Oh, and yeah. also, um, well, any of the other fats like olive oil, avocados, or avocados, you yeah, know, things like seeds. that. And then another thing I wanted to uh, tell you guys: Imagine Foods and Amy has a lot of good soups, mm-hmm. and also. Um, yeah, I, I've been eating a lot of the coconut oil. I bought a big thing out at Costco. Okay. <laughs> oh, there you and go. It is good stuff. Buy it in right. bulk. So any of these processed soups, so you have to be careful because a lot of times they're too high in carbohydrates. Yeah. You, you have right. to just eat a little bit. Where right. if you make your own soups, you actually can put more meat in it and also more uh, vegetables that are lower in carbohydrate. Uh-huh. And it's actually better for you. Do you have a recipe for tomato soup? Um, no, we don't, but we could always create one. Maybe that's, that's our next goal. That's a good one. Yeah. We got good another idea. project. Thank you. That's <laughs> the mushroom soup. Okay. All right. We'll put it on well, our list of to-dos. We got it. I wrote it down. All right. Thank you for Thanks. the call. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> You know, I think we should get, I don't know, do we have more callers or should we get back to our discussion here? Let's, yeah, let's okay. get back to our discussion. You know, the problem uh, 
when you eat more sugar and processed carbs, and I think that's a good example, well, you have to even watch the soups. The soups. Even so-called healthy soups, mm-hmm. you have to be careful. If we eat too many processed carbs, the the coating becomes thicker on our cell receptors. And what happens is when that coating, that's kind of like what is called insulin resistance, and that coating gets heavier and heavier, it sets up low energy for us, it sets up inflammation, and it sets up sugar cravings. Yes. You know, as nutritionists and dietitians, we call this a blood sugar problem. So one way to look at this, if mm-hmm. your triglycerides is above 75 or 80, it may indicate that you're eating too much sugar or pasta or bread or muffins, and you may be having cravings from blood sugar spikes and blood sugar drops, which means you need to start your day with a blood sugar stabilizing meal, such as two eggs cooked in butter or coconut oil, served with a cup of green beans and a half a sweet potato which is exactly what I had for breakfast this morning. It is a great way to start your day. And how much energy do you have right now, right? <laughs> we, we need a lot of energy for, for today. The day. Yes, yes, we do. So really kind of what we're talking about is to control your cravings, eat every two to three hours. Each meal and snack that you eat should contain some type of meat or egg, so a good protein, a healthy fat, such as olive oil, butter, nuts, olives, or avocado, and some vegetable or a fruit. That's what we mean when we talk about balanced eating, a good protein, a good fat, and a good carbohydrate. You know, in our Nutrition for Weight Loss program, we teach you how to balance your meals to balance your blood sugar. Within one or two weeks, your cravings will be gone. And I am not making that up. That is that is very <laughs> powerful for people dealing with cravings. It right. can switch within a couple of weeks. As long as you remember to eat some type of protein, a vegetable, and a healthy fat, cravings disappear. Now, there's about a third of you, about a third of the listeners, mm-hmm. that you will balance your blood sugar, but you'll still have cravings. And so, that does happen. Oh, yes. yes. So remember, I talked about how the sugar in pop stimulates the pleasure center in the brain, much the same as alcohol, cocaine, certain street drugs, and even some prescription drugs. So after working with hundreds and hundreds of clients over the past 25 years, I find the clients who often have intense sugar cravings or intense pop cravings often come from a family that has a history of addiction. Perhaps the grandfather was an alcoholic or maybe the mother had an addiction to prescription drugs or maybe even to alcohol or even to sugar. And these are the people that are in that one-third Yes, so it's then we have to really work with your biochemistry to make sure that your cravings right. subside. But mm-hmm. it can be done, it and can. we see it all of the time. You know, for these people who are dealing with that kind of biochemistry, with that addictive biochemistry, the pleasure center lights up when they eat sugar. Yes. And you can almost sense it. You just kind of feel like almost a high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trouble is that that light quickly dims. And they seek out more sugar, but they don't get that same buzz effect. So they eat more and more sugar because they're really what they're doing is just searching for that high in their brain. So I find the clients with the heart, I call them hardcore sugar addiction. Tough to beat, but we can (laughs) do it. Certainly to balance their foods, but they need to increase their animal protein to maybe 14 to 16 ounces a day. The protein is actually the building blocks to make healthy and sufficient neurotransmitters. So we want higher levels of dopamine, 
and serotonin. Those are the neurotransmitters. That are made out of protein. And made out of protein. And they re- usually when we get that level up, it results in less and less cravings for sugar and processed carbs. But often these clients, if they eat some sugar, they can't stop because that pleasure center, again, gets lit up bright and bold but quickly dims. Again, the brain, brain's pleasure center says, hit me again, hit me again. You know, it's similar to an alcoholic who has stopped drinking for a period of time and then starts again. He or she is telling the bartender to hit them again, hit them again. But the joy is gone after that first drink or this first sweet roll or the first candy bar or the first piece of fudge or the first Coke. You know, and I think people realize that, too. They're these trigger foods. You know, we, we're mm-hmm. talking about their meal plan. They say, you know, I can't have that food because and keep it out of the house, which is right. great. That's you know, true. if they realize that about themselves, they just, you don't have it around. Cause it's it'll... accepting your, and I always say, it's accepting your own biochemistry. And you're working with your biochemistry to right. make sure you don't have those cravings. Mm-hmm. So just like an alcoholic, people with a sugar addiction need ongoing direction and support. Or that evil twin will appear in the brain and say, you can just have one brownie. And then you turn around <laughs> and guess what? You have the whole pan. is gone. <laughs> you know? I would suggest making ongoing appointments with one of the nutritionists to get this under control. Well, my gosh, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? It does. So that wraps up another episode of Dishing Up Nutrition. I hope you had as much fun as we did. Remember, always remember, change your nutrition to change your life. It was fun working with you, Katie. Oh, fun to work with you, Dar. See everybody at the open house. Maple Grove, yes. Happy Saturday, everyone. Life, I love you, all is groovy. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.